Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. All right, man. So, look, I'm going to tell listeners right off the bat here. There's a reason why Talk Buffalo Podcast for a long time now has been a Tuesday and Friday show. I'm going to let you know the, the reasoning behind it. Friday show I like doing because it gives me ample time during the week to find a, a flexible recording schedule. I can record it as early as Tuesday, as, as late as Thursday night. It drops Friday. You got Friday and all weekend. I have a Tuesday show, and yes, I do have some random bonus episodes that I scatter throughout whenever I get an opportunity or or something comes up, but I generally have a Tuesday show because, especially during Buffalo Bills season for 16, 17, 18 weeks, however many games they end up playing, I like to try to take 24 hours so I can have a little bit more of a measured, thought-out response and perspective, less emotional on that game. I don't like taping, right? I'm a knee-jerk reactor by nature, whether it's really good or whether it's really bad. So I like to wait. And plus on top of that, I mean, let's just be honest here. If you're a Bills fan, you listen to this podcast, you probably listen to a bunch of others as well. It's just saturated with so many podcasts, Bills related on Sunday night and on Monday morning. And even the most ardent Buffalo Bills fan at that point has had enough. So anyway, I like to wait to Tuesday because again, you know, a little bit more measured in my thoughts. But I'm going to tell you, man, by the way, I'm joined, of course. Not of course, but (laughs) Joe from Queens is with me. And I don't know what it is. You know the difference? Well, there's lots of differences between you and Aaron Quinn, all right? Ah. But let me say this. You two are my Bills guys that I like to talk to for different reasons. You talk to him after every win, and then you talk to me after every loss. I got that. That, you know what? That's exactly I don't know what, that that's an accident. That always happens, dude. You talk to me <laughs> after the Steelers game. You talk to me after the Titans game. You talk to me now after the shithole fiasco against Jacksonville. Okay, well, you're Aaron right. Aaron is your, is your shill, and you get him on, and he's going to shill how great the team is, and I'm going to come on here and lay it on the line and tell everyone how it is. Well, to some extent, okay, and listen, I love Aaron Quinn. Yeah, we love do. talking football. just love talking to him about everything in life, man. But Aaron is a more measured guy. Like, he's always measured. I tell you that it takes me 24 hours to get a little less emotional. Aaron is always more even-keeled when it comes to his takes. And quite frankly, this game pissed me off to the point that I didn't want to hear Aaron Quinn's takes because I know he's going to be more measured. You are a little bit, to some extent, you're like me. Like, you're an emotional dude, good or bad, and you're you're not, your takes are, I don't want to say necessarily hot takes, but you're not afraid, not that Aaron's afraid, because Aaron's certainly not afraid, but you really don't even give a shit if fans like what you had to say or not. You say what's on your mind, for better or for worse. So maybe for that reason, after a loss, especially a disastrous one, I do come hunting for you as opposed to Aaron, who, like I said, is a little more measured. I'm not happy, man. I'm miserable. What a miserable fucking week. I hate this time of year. I really do. 
it's dark out early as hell now. That it's sucks. getting cold. And then Sunday, man, the Buffalo Bills, and let's just jump right into it. We're not going to, sometimes we like to dick around and talk about other stuff. I want to dick around still, man. We'll, maybe we'll dick around later on, but I, this can't wait, man. We got to get right into this game. The Buffalo Bills go into Jacksonville on Sunday and lose. Not even lose. They, they lose nine to six. Let me start here, okay? Nobody was concerned about this game going into it whatsoever. But again, it's the NFL, man. You got to show up and you got to play. I got a couple quick takeaways and maybe we'll dive into some more specifics. But I want to start with the most important thing right off the top here. And it's got nothing. Well, it's got something to do with this game, obviously, because the Bills lost. But this week, and you're hearing this on Tuesday morning, hopefully, everybody. If you're watching ESPN or Fox or WGR, local, doesn't matter where it is. The New England Patriots, you better put them in the AFC hunt. You better mention their name because like it or not. It is time to recognize the New England Patriots are five and four. They handily beat Carolina on Sunday. They're not a bad team. They got a good defense. They got a quarterback who looks like he's doing a good job in that system. They can run the ball. They got two really good tight ends. They're obviously very well coached. They got, you know, a Hall of Fame coach who might be arguably the greatest coach of all time. This team is five and four and one half game behind the Bills, and they play the Bills twice. So before anything else, this whole you know, before Sunday, it was like, are the Bills going to be the number one seed in the AFC? This week, the conversation is and deserves to be. This is a two-horse race now in the AFC East. Do you agree with that? Um, uh, is it? A I mean, for now, yeah. But like, they got a game in advantage. It's what the Bills are five and three. New England's five, five and, four. and four. New England has a tougher schedule coming up. I definitely mm. think it, they do. They play a little bit more. T they play like they play some tougher teams coming up. But so do we. But I don't know. I mean, I, I have um, I have feelings of maybe we're pressing the pan button a little bit too much of the divisions in play. I mean, it's it's in play. There's ten game. There's nine games left. It could it could easily like change at a moment's notice. I mean, what the heck was it last year? Like I I don't like the Dolphins were more like what two games behind the Bills last year probably at this time because they had a hot streak. Um, you're not wrong, Joe. But the point is, right now in this moment, in the now. Right. The they're bottom, very much in this race, man. Sure, they are. But I don't think they're going to catch them. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in New England as of right now. Do you I have mean, a lot of confidence in Buffalo despite this game? Um, I'm it's trying to be shaken I'm, at least, I, right? I'm trying to be measured. You know, I like I'm. No, as I, as no, no, I, no, no. I don't. I don't like measured, Joe. Look, I, I, as I've gotten older, I'm trying to be a little bit more measured for the week to week grind of the NFL. If anything, I've learned it's that I cannot. The Bills have lost their – they're going to kill this team by three touchdowns cred. It's over. Like, as of right now, I am not picking them to win a, a game by three touchdowns or, like, we're not going to talk about that. They have lost that cred for now. They can gain it back very easily. Like, blow the Jets out by 30 points, and I'll be like, all right, hey, maybe now I can, like, think that they're going to beat up Atlanta. I think, you know, we all got a little bit too cocky, too confident, like us as, as fans or media or whatever – I think the team may have. I mean, if you listen to the Jacksonville players, they said that they were kind of like. I want to talk about that. And, in you, and you can go into that later. But it's the, the, the saving grace for everything is that the AFC is just a hog posh right now. Like right now, the Titans this week are the best team, which I still think the Bills outplayed them that first two weeks ago. I still think they were the better team. And I still don't. Well, I think no, you do. They outplayed them, but they no. They, they, we argued about this on the they show. They shot their. They shot. I their, said the the Bills should have won the game. You and I agree it. with that. You just but said they didn't it. deserve to win the game. They didn't okay, outplay they the Titans. Won. Okay, whatever. 
they should have won the game. Okay, thank you. I thought they should have won that game. The, 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 the yardage was in their favor. I'm a, I'm a stats guy. They beat them in a lot of the stats outside of, of Henry running over them, and that dude's out. Point being is right now the Titans are the best team in the, in the AFC. Everything else below them, it's a hog posh. It's just a bunch of people, teams that every week it's like, okay, this the like you just alluded to, it's the Ravens one week. It's the Bengals the next week. It's this team. It's that team. It, that, to me, is the saving grace. And, I, and I'm, I'm not a baseball guy, but I just saw that the Atlanta Braves won the World Series when they were terrible, or not terrible, they were mediocre at the at the All-Star break, and then they just got hot, and they won it all. And no one and, they lost, and the Braves lost their best player, too, so yeah, that even made it more remarkable. I, I think it's one of those those things where the hot the, whoever is the hot team in December and January, and I think the Bills can be that team, can 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 win the AFC because the AFC to me is just really wide open right now. Um, that's kind of how I feel. It is like you know there is no excuse for yesterday. There's none. It was it was or yeah yesterday whatever two days ago whenever you were listening to this. It, there's no excuse for it. It was it was probably Sean McDermott's worst loss as a coach, unless you want to call it and count like the shitty when they were in 2018 when they were terrible and they were losing with Nate Peterman as a starter. But in terms of, like, you're supposed to – like, look, the Jags are terrible. There's no – the Jags let Geno Smith score 30 on them last week. All right, there is no, like, sugarcoating. Well, you know, they're a good team. They have, like, a couple – they have a couple good players, whatever. But, like, there's – No, they don't. Yeah. Well, Josh – their Josh Allen, I think, is a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. <laughs> Not a good team, though. You no, but, up that yeah, quote. but like individuals, though. Anyway, I want to talk ahead. about – I want to talk about that quote. You're referring to – cornerback Shaquille Griffin, who said to the media after the game, and I'm going to actually read his quote. He says, <clears throat> I was just looking on their sideline, and the one thing I know was like, they didn't have the same energy as us. I feel like if you feel like one team deserved this win, it's us. You've, But you've got to believe that. The one thing I kept preaching at everybody else, look on the sidelines, watching them walking around, it's like they don't care. They don't deserve this. Let's show them why. Look, you can't be mad at that. Just like two weeks ago, you know, a lot of non-Bills fans were irate that Josh Allen was waving goodbye at Christian Wilkins, basically talking shit. But these guys are going to, first of all, the Bills are going to play like this and, and the Jaguars are going to talk shit afterwards. Good, because they deserve it. Do you, do, do you think he's right? Because, I mean, we weren't on the sidelines, obviously. We didn't get a lot of pictures of the sidelines. But this really <laughs> felt to me, like, above all else, this felt like a really, really, really low energy Buffalo game. Even the defense who was dominant, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit in a few, it just, that enthusiasm, they're just, it seemed like they just rolled out of bed in Jacksonville, got out of their hotel room, went to the stadium, and just said, nah, we're going to win this game. They played with no passion at all. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's that's definitely, you always see them kind of slapping each other's butts and, and like the, Very the replays, much. they love each other, all that sort of rigmarole that they always do. Um yeah, I guess I mean you could say that. I mean, they this isn't this is very uncharacteristic. Like I can't think of like too many games in like the last since the Bills have been good since like 2019, we'll just say, where they all of a sudden like just lay it that big of a giant egg. Like, you know, even from like from 2019 to today, like the end like they did yesterday. So maybe it was an isolated, they just weren't ready to play um it's it's it, it's a tough. I mean, I, I mean, I was pissed afterwards, and I hear you about like not having a post game afterwards because you you kind of be a little bit more irrational and 
You know, I was pretty ticked off. Yes, on Sunday. Me but, too. You know, but it, it was long term. It's just, it's just, it, it, you know, you you try to work your way through this. Like, yes, teams lose to bad teams. We we I think we talked about this. I think you said it after like the Dolphins game. You tweeted something of, of the extent like, hey, teams struggle against bad teams sometimes. It always happens. And I'm sure, like, look, if we look through the year to year. Uh, like the Patriots, you know, I'm sure they, they, I remember when they lost to the Browns with Mangini and the Browns were terrible that year. And I think they, they went on to have like 14 wins or something like crazy like that. You know, they would lose Detroit sometimes like it happens here and there, but like, you just, you just can't lose that game. I, it, it, you just can't like, that's a game you got to, cur- you should curb stomp them into the ground. And there, and we'll get into like what the issues are long-term for them and I think it's the same long-term issues we've talked about, honestly, since like 2019 in some cases, where we, we're just seeing them kind of manifest. But you you got to win. There is no excuse. There is Lo- none. Lose or going out and not looking impressive and winning is not fun. It's not pleasing. It's like a boxer who wins, but it's not on style. You know what I mean? You kind of go home from that fight a little bit disappointed because you didn't get to see the show. But at the end of the day, the boxer won. That's what I kind of sort of expected with this game. Just find a way to win this goddamn game. But here's, this is a problem that I have. And and again, and then I want to get into a couple more specific things. But right now the Bills, they are, and we've been hearing a lot of this, and it's true. The Bills are the hunted now. They're not the hunters anymore. You're going to get your best shot from every team because the Bills are a considerable favorite in this conference. I mean, hell, man, four days ago, dude, they were favored to win the Super Bowl in Vegas. I mean, that's not you and I talking. That's Vegas saying that. Oh, Joe, Joe B from the athletic. Obviously I love Joe's work. He's, he wrote in his column, uh, his seven observations that this is uh, a wake up call in the highest degree. He's right. But what, what I say to that, and this is what does concern me is we talked, you were on after they lost to Tennessee. I thought that was the wake up call, a game. They should have won a game that they didn't deserve to win, but yet they still should have won it. And they go into a bye. And we talked about, the year before, last year, the Bills lost that heartbreaking game to Arizona on a Hail Mary, different kind of loss than Tennessee. But they went into the bye, they came back, and they kicked the shit out of everybody. The next time they lost was in the AFC Championship. We talked about that. I thought that was a wake-up call. Or if not, last week, they're at home against the lowly-ass Miami Dolphins, and they played like complete and utter shit for an entire half of football, at least on the offensive side, before they finally, Josh, got some stuff going in the second half. You know, we played like crap, but we still won. That's our wake-up call. Well, no, it wasn't their wake-up call because they go into Jacksonville, again, a team that is an absolute bottom feeder. And let's not pretend there's something else, all right? This is a bottom-feeding team. And not only did they lose, it's one thing to lose because of a bunch of freak plays. You know, some crazy shit happens. We see that happen in sports. There wasn't a series of freak plays. This was just a team that got their asses kicked, bro. They got their asses kicked in the trenches, and you saw it. I mean, the defense was great, but the offense was pathetic. Is it a wake-up call, or is this a point where we're like, yo, this is three straight games now where the Bills have been very unimpressive, man. It's it's worrisome, legit. Is it worrisome? I, it's, I don't, I'm not there yet. I, I'm not there yet because, look, they're 5-3. and three. It's hard for me to get, like, it sucks, but at the same time, you like, I, don't, I, I judge them when they beat, when they go against really good teams. That's when I like get really like into it, if that makes sense. Where I'm like, all right, like I, I got to see them against the 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 the, the Bucks 
or which, whatever team, like the Chargers. That's when I got to get, like, really, like, all right, this is a big game. Like, did you, did, did, did the, miss, the future Mrs. Uh, Joe from Queens to date you or something before this podcast? No, I mean, th- you know, it, this is why you probably should have interviewed me yesterday. Maybe I would have been more pissed off. I, I, <laughs> I, no, because, look, dude, like I said, there's bad losses every damn year for every stupid team. I mean, and, like, and like that goes to the Super Bowl or is close to it. Like, I agree with that. It's frustrating, but there's still, like, nine games left to play. Okay, I'll say this. Look, if they lose to the Jets or they play like shit against the Jets, I'll be I'll be very out. The panic meter will, will the rise panic dramatically. Meter will start rising a lot more. Right, um, but like, enough. but like, look, I, I think we have to just look at it. You, I I can't look at it in a big picture, like of like, okay, am I scared? Like down the road, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's I have to look at it, like break it down individually. What I'm worried about, okay, like what I'm worried about against. The Ravens. What I'm worried about against other teams that you're going against, like in the playoffs, if the Bills make, which I think they're gonna. I still think they're gonna walk in. Maybe I'm too cocky. I don't know. I think they're gonna make the playoffs. But like, what are you worried about? You know. And I, 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 I think they're gonna make the playoffs, Joe. I think you're. I don't think you're wrong. But all I'm saying when it comes to the New England Patriots, you know, to quote your uh, Roman Reigns, your boy in WWE, acknowledge me. It's time to acknowledge the New England Patriots. They're five and four. They're looking pretty good. They're playing good football lately, and they play the Bills twice, man. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Bills, and I wouldn't predict they're going to beat the Bills, and I don't predict they're going to win the AFC East, but you cannot write them off. A couple of weeks ago, it wasn't even a, the only question with the Buffalo Bills is, are they going to be the top seed? Now it is a legitimate question. Fair question to say, are they even going to win the AFC East? It's a fair question. I think it is. I Yes, but I, I'm answering to say I think they're still going to win the AFC East. I yeah. think the Bills are going to. But look, they have to get their shit in order. Because right now, they do look like a team that is like, they're going to win the wild card game, and then they're going to get they're going to lose against the Ravens, or they're going to lose against the Chargers in the playoffs, like in the divisional round. That's exactly what they look like right now. Okay, yeah. that's, that's, my, my, that's the hottest of like, if you want me to give you a hot take, that's what they look like right now. And they got two months to get their shit in order. You know, and again, it's frustrating what happened. They should have won beat they should have crushed the Jags. I I don't know what happened. I'm I'm hoping you, I mean, and you're right. Look, they've had two of these like games this year where it's kind of like the Steelers game in the opening and like this loss where you're like, what the hell happened? And then you have a couple of halves against Miami in both games where you're like, all right, what's going on? So like it's still there's they're five and three. We know they can do this. They did this last year. They did well the year before. You know, I I just I just think I I think you know maybe this is like the big the major kick ass because you know what sometimes you can just um you know I, I think about like okay so like I'll try to follow me here like the Lakers of like the Shaq and Kobe era. I used to watch them all the time and they used to have these games where. They would be down by like ten or twelve going into the third quarter, fourth quarter, or whatever. Then all of a sudden, the Lakers they played like shit, but all of a sudden they got pissed, and then they started dunking on everyone, and they always came back. That's just how it was, like from like two thousand to two thousand two, basically. And then it kind of finally sizzled out, and that kind of broke up Shaq and Kobe. I think it's kind of like a little bit of the Bills where they 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 feel like yeah, we we have like this shitty start to a game, but we're gonna work our way through it. I think, and you kind of alluded to that earlier. And I think they, and then that's what happened against the Jags. I think they just thought they were going to walk, they were going to work their way through it. I did. I didn't think they were going to lose that game at all until it was over. And I was like, oh, well, this sucks. And like, I think you can't, you can't have those moments anymore. 
You got to go in there and you got to you got to play all four quarters as, as cliche as that sounds uh, for them. Yeah, I agree. And I'll tell you, before we go to a quick break here, I kind of want to throw a little bit of a, a teaser of sorts on tomorrow, which is Wednesday for people listening on the podcast. I got Catherine Fitzgerald, beat reporter for the Buffalo News. And we didn't talk. I mean, there was one of those conversations where it was about getting to know her and her life and her career and stuff. But we just spent a couple of minutes talking about the Bills. And I more or less kind of answered the same question about, you know, the Bills, the reality check and things like that, or the wake up call and kind of threw Miami and Tennessee out as examples. And she kind of alluded to the fact that it's one thing to get a wake up call, but when you get away with it, you know, if you make a mistake, like say if you oversleep at home, but then you, you know, you, you go to work and nothing happens as opposed to, you know, you, you miss work or you're late or whatever, and then you get in trouble. That's the kind of wake up call, like the bills, you know what I mean? Losing is different than them. You know, it's a legitimate wake up call. She thinks because they actually lost the game as opposed to playing like shit, like they did against a lot of the, you know, for a lot of the Miami game and then coming in. So anyway, that's what's the show. Anyway, we're going to take a real quick break. And on the other side, I mean, let's talk about a couple specific things that are, well, they certainly were on display on Sunday. The question is, will they write the ship when it comes to this? So we'll talk about a few of those right after this break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. And by the way, we'll, we'll, I'll put this, uh, we'll do this a little bit later, but there's two losses that I could remember. One of them real well, one of them not so well. I went Ooh, back. The, I the way back machine. Oh, yeah, I'm, down, two, I'm down with that. I, I two got some losses, too. Two losses that I would put comparable in terms of I got my level. Three. Well, we'll talk about that later. Two, two losses that I find comparable in terms of frustration with this football team. We'll, we'll do that a little bit later. Um, one other point before, we, look, I mean, talking about the offensive line is unavoidable and it deserves to be the main oh. focus of, of any conversation on what's wrong with the bills. I will say one thing I got annoyed. And again, a little more, uh, I don't want to say measured, but at least I'm, I'm a little less emotional now about it 
fans blaming the referees for this loss. And let me be clear. I thought the officiating was fucking horrendous. I think officiating around the league is to the point it's now terrible. is getting harder and harder and harder to actually even sit down and watch and enjoy football games because the refs are having way too much of an influence on these games. That's a conversation, though, we could have another time. That could be a whole entire podcast. So, yes, the officiating was terrible. No question. And there were a couple bad calls against the Bills. That said, though, dude, that's not in the top three or four reasons why they lost this game. 12 penalties for 118 yards. Jack Jacksonville had eight, by the way. So it's not like the Bills had 12 penalties and Jacksonville had two for 10 yards. They had eight for 54 themselves. That is just the mark of a, a team, again, kind of piggybacking on what we were just talking about before the break. They weren't ready to play. That's got to be on the coaches, whether it's McDermott, whether it's Brian Dable, Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, 12 penalties. I think they had like four or five personal fouls. This was just a sloppy game. The penalties, three turnovers. They were only six for 15 on third downs. You add all this up, man, with a dozen penalties, it's just a recipe for a disaster. It's hard for me to fathom why this team was not more mentally ready to play this game. Well, to break down the referees, I mean, they were atrocious, as you said. I mean, there, there's some personal foul penalties. I really don't understand how it's a personal foul penalty. There were definitely some weird ass, like the false starts that, like the Jacksonville were obviously getting, like their tackle. Like I saw it. I'm like, I'm like, twenty feet away from my TV. And I'm like, the tackle just moved, and they snapped it, like, like before, and they're not – like, that's amateur hour. But, again, that's like five yards in the whole process thing. It's not – this isn't like the give-it-to-me game where it's like this is like this this game just completely, you know, changed because of that. I mean, right. they're bad. You can complain about it. Like, add that to your five or six things you hate about the game. But, like, you know, I don't know what's going – like you said, the refs were bad. Even the replays yesterday on, on the game were horrible. The broadcast, like, bad, man. Like, Terrible. I don't know what the, what the you know, the, well, that's what happens. Because it's like the Jacksonville, anytime the Bills play like a small market team that isn't attractive, they always have like the D-list production team where they can't get replays in order. You know, it's the Jim Nance one that, that those ones, they have like a hundred different cameras there. This one had like two, I think. I, I don't even know. They, they could have had Sal Capaccio's cell phone as a third replay at this point, you know, because it was so bad. Like that was just infuriating me, but yes, that you can't just put that all on. You could complain about it and be like, these officials suck. But if you're, if you, if you got a 15 thread thing about that and like, Oh, well, this is why they lost your, your, yeah. Well, there was, there was way too much of that on Twitter for my liking. Sure. Frustration over bad calls. Absolutely. I was very frustrated as well. I mean, there was some, like that personal foul on Trey White and the first drive of the game for Jacksonville, or was it the second? I don't know. But it led to their field goal. Hey, three-point game ended up mattering. I'm not saying the officiating didn't matter, but it's not a reason they lost. To me, it's really simple. I put a tweet out about this, and I said, look, man, and I'm going to read my tweet. I said, a lot of fans are overanalyzing the Bills today, meaning Sunday, being the haunted, to focus on January, February, et cetera. Don't do it. Buffalo's defense was great. The Bills' problem starts and ends with the offensive line. If they give Josh Allen more time, he'll kill any defense. And I truly, in my heart, believe that. I don't care who the defense is. You give the guy time, he's going to pick you apart. He's going to kill you. The Bills lost this game, and the Bills have a lot of question marks going forth, simply put, because of this offensive line. Now, Cody Ford started. He was absolutely an abomination. He was abysmal, terrible. And even during the game, I was getting annoyed, though, because... 
all the hatred on social media, all the fans, Cody Ford this, Cody Ford that, and he does, he's not, he's just not working out. I don't want to go as far as to say dude sucks. I mean, he's in the NFL, all right, and that's whatever. Well, I mean, he's a bust. I mean, that's he's what he a bust. is. He's he a is bust. A, he, right he, now. he is absolutely a bust. But here was my problem, man. Go ahead. Hold on. Hold on. Here was my problem. The Cody Ford slander is deserved, but you know what, man? You better follow that shit up with some Deion Dawkins slander and with some Daryl Williams slander because those tackles were both horrific. Eichbacher had a huge penalty. It was fourth and two, the false start. Now it was a weak false start, but it was a false start. It wasn't as blatant as it was. He did. So it was the right call, and it forced a punt. Those are fucking killers, man. But Daryl Williams was horrible, horrible. Where is last year's Daryl Williams that earned? He played well. Where's the guy who earned that three-year contract? And Deion Dawkins, I don't want to hear the COVID shit no more. Early in the year, he was slowed down, but then he was looking good. He's been terrible for a couple weeks now. Both their tackles have been awful. And again, Cody Ford, what can what can you say? Just terrible, man. Let me just say this. Um. I think the biggest – Brandon Bean has done a great job. The coaching staff has done a great job, blah, blah, blah. We've, we've heard it. They have not been able to develop the offensive line. And I think Cody Ford is exhibit A for that because here's a guy. He was not supposed to be a bum. This guy came in. They traded they up for him. moved up and traded up They for traded him. up for him. Guy from Oklahoma. It's not like he's playing in Timbuktu. He's playing for a, a top-tier program. They bring him in. As a tackle, and then I thought as a rookie, as a tackle, I thought he was okay. Like, he was fine, whatever. I mean, and then all of a sudden they go, well, we don't like him there. We're going to move him here. And since they moved him to guard, I think it's kind of, like, collapsed a little bit in that regard. I think moving offensive linemen around is not a good thing to do. I think it hinders your development. He was he made his bread and butter being a tackle in college. And they decided to move him in, like, his second year and then into this year. And he's been a disaster. That's on him, but it's also on the development that this coaching staff and the GM doesn't know really how to draft and develop offensive linemen. I think Deion Dawkins, look, he's been good. Like this this year, COVID was standing and everything you said is correct. But he's a guy that wasn't picked by Brandon Bean. He was picked by the last regime. I don't give a shit who you – he was not right. in the room. Okay, so if you want to not give Whaley credit, don't give Whaley credit. I don't care. He wasn't in the room. Everyone else, John Feliciano has not gotten better. Daryl Williams, I think maybe he might be the Jordan Phillips where it's just like he had that one-hit wonder year, and who knows what's going to happen to him afterwards where it's like, okay, his tape plays down. But he hasn't, he hasn't done much of anything. Uh, Ike Booger, Feliciano, I don't even know who the guy was last year. I already forgot. They got rid of Quentin Spain. The whole line has been a disaster. And if the season ended tomorrow, I, want, I would storm into Bean's, Bean's office or whoever's office and go, we need to read, we have to redo this offensive line. Like right now, none of this, and that's on them. That's on them. We talked about this after the title game last year, how uh, Williams for the Chiefs ate the entire interior uh, line. We talked about it, like, hey, you want to, you may want to invest in some guards there, buddy. And they didn't. They said, no, we're going to bring back Feliciano. We got Cody. It, it's been, and it's it collectively, it goes from Dable, because I do really believe that this, the run blocking scheme, and then we can get into the running game in a little bit. Has not is not good enough. They have not they have not gelled this offensive line since 2018. Even 27 or 2018, we'll, we'll just say it just hasn't. With I don't know if there's 
They've tr- they've done different line combinations. They've moved guys around. The only guy that's been good to me, like consistent, has been Mitch Morris. And even then, I don't even know what happened last year when like he got sick or they were benching him or doing some. He was weird hurt. Thing. He was hurt. Yeah, there was. Something they were doing some weird stuff. Right. But like the the whole thing from top to bottom, you know. Yes, we can pile. We can take a colossal crap on Cody Ford, but like he was not. He was supposed to be good. Like he was. You trade up to get this guy. And I just don't think they've developed you, – you can't – you know, one of Sean McDermott's, like, you know, commandments is, like, you draft, develop, and extend or whatever. I think it's being – well, you know, if you're going to give them credit for, for like, developing Josh Allen, you have to give them zero credit. You have to shit on them for what's happened with Cody Ford because yeah. he was not some bum. This isn't John Feliciano who was supposed to be some guy who came out in the sixth round and he was supposed to be a depth. This was supposed to be an anchor on your offensive line. And that goes on the coaching, that's development, and that's on them. I agree. And, you know, furthermore, when you mentioned something about Deion Dawkins, no, he was not a Randy Bean guy because of the draft or, or McDermott. But you know what? Yes, he is. And you know why? When you give somebody a five-year or four-year $58 million extension, that makes you a Brandon Bean guy. They could have done something else. They extended him. They wanted him. So when you give that guy a big-ass contract, he is one of your guys then at that point. You know what's funny about Mitch Morse is he's <laughs> he's the guy that everybody was talking about this past offseason. You know, the Bills need to cut someone to create some room. Let's make it Mitch Morse, you know. He's got like a like an $11.5 million cap hit next year. They could save like over $8 million by cutting him. I don't think they got that luxury because he's the only dude on this offensive line that is consistently – Played well this year. And you mentioned Quinn in Spain. Look, it's easy to play coulda, woulda, shoulda. I get that. Every team makes bad personnel decisions. I the never bad, have the bad teams, that. The bad teams make more bad personnel decisions than good teams. But every team makes mistakes with personnel decisions. But it is hard given the fact that to me, to me, when Dawson Knox is healthy, because I think he's proven to be an asset now, I think the offensive line is the only weakness on this football team. The running backs are, eh, adequate but my point is this you had Quinn in Spain and you had Wyatt Teller they're both on your team you didn't trade them you didn't you got rid of them you trade we traded um Wyatt Teller for a, a late round pick and they cut Quinn in Spain less than a year after they gave him an extension but two those months guys two months they extended them and then they got rid of them two day, two the two games into it and here's the thing those guys are both stellar standouts right now with Cleveland and Cincinnati respectively yeah, I'm can telling I, Quinn in Spain. Quinn in Spain's playing some really good football. Can too, I say man. this about Teller? I I get you can go down the rabbit hole of okay, well who 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 would have predicted that? You're right. I wouldn't have predicted them to be really good, but that's where you have development. We're not supposed to be that, able to predict that. They yeah, are. that there that's where you have coaches who are supposed to develop guys. I, I don't. Cleveland has always to me been a really good offensive line. Like the last, they run the shit out of you, and they they're a pretty good line and cohesiveness. There's just none of that with the Bills, and I think there's been that there has been. I, I I forgot who had it. Someone someone may have had a. I think Tyler Dunn may have said something once on Twitter, where there was like during the Spain thing, like there was kind of a disconnect between the coaches and the GM. There was, and, yeah, and you could totally see that. Like they have had so many different combos, and that's why that's why. And we have talked about this, Pat, since last year. We have talked about it. They didn't. They ignored us. And that, to me, is the biggest thing I worry about out of this game because yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars are not a defensive fucking juggernaut. They're this the, is not this right. This I is agree. not. This is not Tampa Bay. 
kicking your ass, or this isn't like any other like defensive front four. This is the Jets. I agree. It's not Derrick Henry running for 76-yard touchdowns on you. This is a problem that feels like it's just not going to simply go away. Yeah. And the Bills, for the Bills to be an elite team, that means Josh Allen, and we'll talk about him in a second, he's going to have to play a good MVP because this offensive line is not going to get much better. Brandon Bean, for again, and you kind of hit on this, for all the good he's done, and he's done a lot of good, they, they consciously chose continuity on this offensive line. They chose that, and they kind of made their bed with this yeah. right now. And again, Mitch Morse is the only one for all being successes, man. I, I feel like they've gotten the offensive line wrong. The worst part to me, the most frustrating part about this game, besides the result itself, obviously, which this very well could cost the Bills home field advantage in the playoffs. And again, I think it just brought New England back into the race. But that notwithstanding, the most frustrating part for me is that this game didn't happen five days ago. I wish this game happened last week because the NFL trade line came and gone. And the Bills last week decided they felt good enough about this offensive line that they didn't go out and they didn't make a move. I find it hard to believe. Yeah, were you going to get a Pro Bowl guard in the trade deadline? Very likely not. But I find it hard to believe that Brandon Bean couldn't have gave up a sixth or seventh round pick to get something somewhere around a league that's better than Cody Ford or Reitbacher for that matter. They chose not to. We saw what happened Sunday, and now they're stuck. They're stuck because what they're going to have to try to find a guy off the practice squad, someone else's practice squad. Otherwise, they're kind of stuck. And I'm frustrated because had this game happened a week ago, there's no way Brandon Bean goes to bed Sunday night and says, I got to fucking do something before Tuesday's deadline. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a valid point if it happened last week. he Maybe they decide to do Have something. To. Um, but I don't know. Look, he hasn't done he hasn't made any deals the last three deals. He's done nothing. He didn't do anything in 2019. He didn't do anything in 2020. Didn't do anything last year. And those were all times when you could have filled like something and went for it and they didn't. So I maybe that Kelvin Benjamin thing was just an it was an anomaly when they decided, hey, we're gonna go for it. But uh the the line's a mess. And I don't know what's I like like good luck to everyone counting on Spencer Brown to be like the guy that's gonna like change this. Okay. I know they need him at this point. They do well, need they him. They do, but I don't think he's gonna change the 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 whole running or pass protecting dynamic. I think right now said this before, and I'll say it again. You want to beat the Bills right now? I think you got to blitz. And that's what the Jags did yesterday. That's what Miami kind of did last week in that first half. You blitz, you know, blitz the crap out of the Bills right now because their well, offensive line can't – they can't handle the pressure. They, 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 they were blitzing, Joe. They were blitzing at um, timely points of the game. But I think what Jacksonville was doing, and I think the Bills are starting to get the same treatment that the Kansas City Chiefs do, and that's like we're putting our safeties deep. We are not going to let you beat us through the air with long passes. You're going to have to grind your way down the field. I think teams are doing that successfully against the Chiefs. I half disagree with you about Spencer Brown. I, I agree with what you're, I think what I, I think you're trying to say is Spencer Brown's no savior. He's not going to come in and make the offensive line good. But I do think right now, maybe, nah, maybe, just, no, maybe, no, maybe, listen, no, listen, no. maybe, maybe because Daryl Williams is bouncing back and forth. It's fucking him up. I don't know. But I think Spencer Brown right now is better at right tackle than Darrell Williams. And I think Darrell Williams at guard, or anyone for that matter, is better than Cody Ford. So you're kind of upgrading two positions with Spencer Brown being back. No, my thing is this. I think Spencer Brown is your classic new the the new the new hot girl walks into a a classroom and everyone's overrating her. That's what Spencer yeah. Brown is. Yes, he is. I have not seen that much. She's of a any... hot girl with some personality. Nah. There's other traits to like about her too. Nah, she's she's more than she's more than just good looks. But you're, 
there's potential, but there's too much falling in love right away. Okay? It gets Cody Ford off the field. That's for starters. Okay, fine. I, I, <laughs> I, maybe it's better. I don't think it's that much of an upgrade. This line has had issues all year. It hasn't it, it, going into last. They have had issues. They just have. I, and I think Josh Allen has, with his like you know, gaining time and like you know he he helps that offensive line when he's like holding the ball and like he's scrambling. He makes them look good. But when he's pressing, which he did against the Jags, that's when he starts making mistakes. And I think he has he is he has been the best weapon for the offensive line. I truly believe that. I don't think there's much that he can say about the line. The line is the line has been bad. I don't care if it's Spencer Brown in there or Feliciano or or, or freaking Jim Richter or whoever. It's been bad. The offensive line is forcing Josh Allen to play hero ball again, and that's not what this offense is supposed to be. Two interceptions, two bad interceptions. He yeah, lost they were a bad. fumble. Bad interceptions. He he lost a fumble. He was sacked four times. He was running for his life. To me, the offensive line is the great equalizer. We saw it last year with our own eyes when the Kansas City Chiefs got those injuries, and that offensive line was just absolutely decimated in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay pass rush. If you can't block, I don't care who you are at quarterback, you're not going to have a lot of success. Uh, you know, we accuse Josh Allen of playing hero ball sometimes, and sometimes it's true. He was forcing it that Sunday. Look, he made bad mistakes, and there's no denying that. Okay, I'm no Josh Allen um, blind head in the sand defender. Mm-hmm. I love Josh Allen. I think he's an MVP caliber quarterback. I really do. I think he's one of the handful of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at this point. That said, he made a lot of mistakes, and I'm not afraid to call him out on that by any means, but I don't blame him. He had no choice. He had to try to make shit happen because they could not block. I'm going to tell you right now, Josh Allen got sacked four times. If that would have been Big Ben Rothmers, Big Ben, back there, I can't even pronounce the goddamn last name. That would have been a bunch of quarterbacks back there. That would have been like 11 sacks. I'm telling you, he avoided sacks at least six, seven times. He ran for 50 yards. He had to try to make things happen. Yeah. But you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes when the offensive line is that bad in front of you. The offensive line to me, Again, I said this. It starts and ends with the offensive line. You get that right, Josh Allen's going to be great. You don't, you're going to see a lot of what you saw Sunday. This won't be the last time you see, you know, I called it 2018 Josh Allen because that's kind of what he was doing was, you know, throwing the ball up and making some really shitty mistakes. But you're going to, you haven't seen the last of that. If this line does not start to block, it affects a running game. It affects a lot. It definitely does. And I, I do put, some he gets some burden like those picks a little were bit. He those picks it. were bad the fumble i thought was the worst cuz if he just gave it to singletary i think singletary gets worst the first worst play of the game and that just that's on him like he, Great that's, point. that's Great on point. him um collectively what i'm seeing like you, you said it before like they're playing deep the safeties are so it's very it's a lot harder to go over the top than it used to be and i think yep. that's that's the biggest problem the bills big play last year i, I was looking this up prior but they had the second most plays of 20 yards or more in the league. Right now through uh, eight games, they're they're tied for 13th. And there's some wiggle room because there's some teams that, don't, that haven't had to buy yet, blah, blah, blah. But the big plays just aren't there. And I think the other thing, too, they need to get Stephon Diggs the ball more. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think they're targeting him as much as they did last year. Like, I was looking this up, um, and basically he, he, had a, he, had 100, look, he had 127 catches last year. For over fifteen hundred yards, he's on pace for like ninety catches and about twelve hundred yards. So th- that's a big, like, th- that's a solid, good season, very good. 
but it's not close to what it was last year. And I think I had it too where I, I looked this up before. He he was targeted, I think, nine or more times last year, 11 times. This year he's been targeted nine or more times, four times. You know, do the math. It's it's less. He's not getting targeted as much. And Cole Beasley, and I don't know if you're going to get into him, the, the guy's averaging like five feet a catch basically. And like he's he's not getting like he's not getting down the field, and he did. He's the he's the running back. They're basically trying to get three that's or four what everyone's yards. Been saying, but like, for, it's, well, it's, it's true. I know, but I know everyone's been saying that, but that's not what you want, okay? Like you I, want oh, him, I agree. You want him to be like eight, ten yards down the field, there, buddy. You like you know what I mean? He's there is no. It's it's one thing to talk about like hey, I want sixty yard bombs, but last year the Bills didn't really have those 50, 60 yard bombs. To be honest, it was all death by paper cuts in that middle 10 to 15 yards. They're not getting that right now. Right, They're getting dude. these like small ass like and again, Diggs, I think Diggs got targeted t- twice going into the fourth quarter. And then they then they figure it out. Oh, hey, we have this guy. Let's throw him the ball more. And I think that's that's that you have to put a little bit on Dable on that. Like you just have to get him involved more. Like get your playmakers more involved. Like Diggs is the man. Like, that's we love him. I mean, he shattered bill's records last year and right now he's on pace for and the funny weird thing was i was comparing Allen's numbers to from eight games to this year to last year they're almost identical passing yards touchdowns interceptions quarterback rating yet the digs factor digs just isn't as 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 promising as he was last year at this time i think he's got like 100 i think i compared it he has like 100 yes 100 less yards receiving which may not seem like a lot but he's He's just not getting involved like he was. I need that. I need that. That big ass Stephon Diggs, twelve catch, hundred forty yards, owning owning the shit. You know what I mean, game. Like he needs. To, they need to get him involved more. Like Randy ratio it. Let's take uh, one more quick break, and on the other side, I actually got a point that I want to add to about your Stephon Diggs uh, take. Be right back. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Stefan Diggs in that light because I don't take a lot of notes when we do this podcast prep, at least not most of the time anyway, especially if it's Bills related. But I did write down Stefan Diggs. And one of the things that's really stuck out to me at six catches for 85 yards, he has become this year to an certain extent anyway, almost more like a complimentary piece, more than a focal point. Like it felt like he was last year. And and again, I mean, you just broke down the numbers. So I'm not going to do that. You already did that for us. He's just, at, there's large chunks of this, not just this game, but this season where he just feels like one of four wide receivers. And he's too good of a player. He's too much of an impact player to, to not be a more focal point. They need to go to him early. They need to go to him more often. And in terms of the receivers, you talked about Cole Beasley. He had eight catches. Um, I don't even know. He had 30-something yards. I looked, it's funny. Like he had Real quick, sorry. If I can he had eight catches for like thirty-two yards, and I looked that up. Like it's the fewest, fewest yards of like a wide receiver. There's only been five wide receivers who have had thirty-three yards with eight catches within like the last twenty-five years. Yeah, I, that's the weirdest stat line I've ever seen. Well, uh, to Phil Sims, and I'm not a big Phil Sims fan, but yeah, last week he, oh, okay, I agree. However, he pointed out that Bills wide receivers this year are not really getting much separation. And you wouldn't think that would be the case with guys at that skill level. Beasley and Sanders are known as two of the best route runners in the league. Stephon Diggs, I don't need to tell you. Gabe Davis, good receiver. But word is these guys are not getting much separation. 
and one another thing too, and we saw this in a Jacksonville game, with the exception of Diggs who who broke a couple, guys aren't breaking any tackles. Like Cole Beasley, as great of a route runner he is, and as sure-handed as he usually is, although he had a huge drop at midfield that really hurt him on Sunday. There were some he couple bad drops. He ain't breaking there. no tackles. When's the last time Cole Beasley's broken a tackle? I'm not seeing Sanders or Gabe Davis break any tackles. Like I said, Diggs does it when he catches the ball two yards and turns it into nine. But they're not breaking tackles. They're not getting uh, they're not, and they're just they're not separating that much, man. This is just and I, <laughs> I keep saying it. I, look, we could talk about every other position on this team. I am going to continuously go back to the offensive line. I think the offensive line is forcing passes quick, short. Defenses are coming up to make the play. They're not giving up the big play. And this is in part because the offensive line is just not giving them time to get to that second, third, and fourth read, man. I mean, that's I, I don't I'm not watching the film, so I'll believe that that's obviously a big factor into all of that. Um I I do wonder though, with the you said complimentary with Diggs. I think it's more about balance. Like if you look at the wide receivers numbers, it's very balanced right now. Yeah, and, and I don't and like that. I don't like that either. And that's not how it was like last year. Because it was Diggs was the man. And then Cole Beasley was number two, and then there was a bunch of people underneath there. Right now, like I said, they need to get Diggs the ball more. I think that's what you need to do, roll the ball through there to him. Like Sanders is a nice guy. I love him. He's been a great acquisition, but he he needs to be there when he needs to be there. Okay, like your offense, your passing game needs to be around Diggs, I think, right now. Good things happen, you throw it to him. Um, I'll say this, too, about the game that I wasn't too thrilled with. I know, like we talk, I always joked about having like four or five wide receivers, and uh, and, and you know the Bills kind of made me eat my words a little bit with Dawson Knox's emergence to have like per, you know eleven personnel. I don't think you want to have Tommy Sweeney on the field as much as he was on the field on Sunday. Yeah, he's not getting it done, man. Yeah, he's not. He's come on, like sorry, like this is this is like they should have went more, you know, three four wide receiver sets. Or four wide receiver sets, they should have won more. They should have been like, and that's where you get the double edged sword because oh, you, you're gonna lose him, then you have lose pass protection maybe. But maybe it just, it, I would have done that a little bit more than like just. It, it was obvious, dude. By halftime, the offense was not working, and like you, you should have made that adjustment. I feel Brian Dable's getting some criticism for that. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Tommy Sweeney is just uh, he he's not that guy, man. He he's just he's not that guy. One more quick yeah. thing on the. Stephon Diggs' point, I looked it up as you were talking. Last year, he led the team with 166 targets, and the next best was Cole Beasley with 107. So he had 50-something more targets. This year, and we're at, essentially at the halfway point of the season, um, Stephon Diggs leads the team with 73 targets, but Cole Beasley's only got six less, yeah, 67 targets, and Emmanuel Sanders has 51. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of yeah, that ratio. It's, it's a little bit too much balance. And I think yeah. you just you just got you got a Randy ratio it. To like, your, to like your point, give it to him. Agreed. And to your point about Tommy Sweeney, I agree, man. It's just he's just another dude out there, man. That's yeah. all he is, is he's just another guy. And sometimes I don't know, a, a criticism of Brian Dable. First of all, I, I'm a I'm a Brian I'm pro Brian Dable. I, I, I feel am like, too. I like I, I feel I like he should, I feel like there. he should have gotten a head coaching opportunity last offseason. And I was very happy to see him come back. But Something's just not right with the play calling too. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel like, it feels like they're trying to force things. Like you just said that I know they like that 11 personnel, but there's a big difference to me. And we've seen it the last few weeks now that he's been out with Sweeney in and Dawson Knox out. There's a big difference when Dawson Knox is out there compared to Sweeney. I don't like the personnel. I don't like a lot of the play calls that are going on, 
So again, is it the biggest problem? No. But Brian Dable, some of this criticism, and I do think fans tend to, you know, just jump on easy targets and, you know, kind of, they're premature. He deserves, he he does, and he deserves, but my point is, he deserves it. I mean, they're not even trying. (laughs) And and again, like a broken record, the offensive line, it always starts and ends there for me, but they can't run the fucking ball to save their lives, man. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, nine carries, 22 yards for both of them against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That just cannot happen. That's the problem. That's the second biggest problem on this team right now. The offensive line is the biggest problem. The second biggest problem is these running backs. They're just not that good, man. I'm, not. I'm at a loss when it comes to trying to figure out like what I want out of this running situation. Like, I don't know. I like, there's a part of me that's like, F it, stop running. Who cares? It's a passing league. Let's do it. But then I'm, I, I, I like scallop back and go, okay, when Josh Allen's not having his a game, you got to run the football. You got to have that threat. And there, there's, there's just no threat right now. It feels like, even though like going into this game, I think they were ranked like in the top 12 in rushing, weren't they? Or something like that. Like the Bills, I thought they were like, it's not like they're horrible. Like the numbers say that they're okay, but I don't, I, I'm, I'm really, this goes back to my initial point of, about big plays not happening right now. Like they're like 13th in big, in 20 yards plays. I'm assuming they're kind of the same way with running the football. Like unless it's Josh Allen making a scamper, you know, I, I remember Devin Singletary had a big, a big run against Miami, but like they're just not getting explosive plays out of the running game, the running backs. And I, I don't know. The thing is, like I said, I don't know what to do with that situation. It's just a situation where I can't decide if I want them to run the football or I just want new running backs or I think it's the blocking or I just want to go like run and shoot forever. It's, it, it's, it, it, they definitely have to figure out how to run it better than they are. And they, they're having issues with that, obviously. And it, it's what it manifests when Josh Allen isn't on then it's like we look at the running game. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? You're you're not helping him out. Like, you know, in terms of that. My conclusion w- with the team is this. And again, let's. And I know a lot of people will counter, and it's a very fair point. The Buffalo Bills came into this game on Sunday, number one in the NFL in points. They had the most points scored and the fewest points allowed. Okay, it is one game. I get that. I don't care, Jacksonville. It doesn't matter if it's the eighty-five Bears. At the end of the day, it's still one game. It's a very fair point. I am, but what concerns me long-term is this offensive line. I don't think they're going to get better. I don't think this is an offensive line that's going to get significantly better. I, I I do think Spencer Brown returning is going to help them because Darrell Williams can slide in the guard. And again, addition by subtraction, that gets Cody Ford out of there. And maybe Feliciano comes back and he, hopefully he's at least better than what they have with like Bacher now. But offensive line is a concern. The running backs are who they are. I don't think Devin Singletary or Zach Moss is going to suddenly explode and become something we haven't seen already. That's a concern. This leads me to this. Josh Allen's going to have to play at an MVP level. If the Buffalo Bills are going to go to the AFC Championship again and get to the Super Bowl, they're only going to do it if Josh Allen plays at an MVP level. And, and Which is crazy because we haven't even talked about it. We're not going to. Why bother? The defense is elite. Okay? They have an elite defense, but they're still not going anywhere. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going there yet with elite. Right. Not going oh, there. Very good. They're, they're good. Very good. They, I, they, they shit, they shit it on the Jags. Okay, like wake me up when they have to go against Tom Brady. Then I'll start. They talking played about one it. bad game this whole year. The defense. One. 
and they played against some horrific offenses. All right, well, let's well, give them like look. Hey, hey, I gave them credit for the Chiefs game. I took it away when they when they went against the Titans and got run over by them. But yeah, sure. Um, look, I, I think at the I think just we all have to figure out like uh, I, this is humble pie. I think for everyone, for the Bills, for us as like podcasters, whatever we want to call us, and and we have to figure out like where what do they do best on offense. And I think it's, it goes down to, you know, they, they need to get Josh. They, they, they got to get Josh in a rhythm and like people have to help him out. I think that's the end of the day. Like the offensive line has to help him. The running game has to help him. We have to figure out ways. Like we talked about Cole Beasley. Like he, he's, he can't be catching three yard passes and then he falls to the ground and doesn't break any tackles. In fairness to him, he also was, I, I will say this, Cole Beasley was playing hurt. And, yeah. and it was obvious by the second half, he didn't even play much at all. He he was having a hard time even staying out there. He was hurt. Yeah, he, look, he's got to play at an MVP level, Josh Allen, at this point. Good defense, elite defense, great defense, whatever you want to call it. The defense is going to hold their weight. It comes down to the offense. It comes down to the offensive line. If the offensive line was better, I'd have no concerns about this team. Right now, I think they can beat any team in the NFL. And sure as shit, and we saw with our own eyes on Sunday, they're capable of losing any team in the NFL. That makes, to me, that means they're a team that's up there, but they're not a team. Don't go putting them on any pedestal yet. Don't give them the AFC East just yet. Don't do anything because they got to go out and start playing better on offense. And they got to block. Anyway, two losses came to mind where I was as frustrated as I was. One of them, and I don't know how people listening, if you can remember these or not, but 2014, the Bills were 8-6, and six, very much in the playoff hunt at the end of the year. Week 16, they went to Oakland, who was, Oakland was freaking 2-12, and 12, and the Bills lost that game 26-24. And, and, you know, much like that game, the Bills couldn't run. I went up, and I looked up the stats. Fred Jackson, Booby Dixon, 17 yards on nine carries, and Kyle Orton threw two interceptions. That sounds just like Sunday. So that was the one. I remember that And then that the other game. one, someone, a fan pointed this out to me, because I didn't re- obviously didn't remember this off the top of my head, but I went back and looked. In 1988, the Bills were 11-2, and two, and they went to the 3-10 and 10 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they lost that game 10-5. to five. Jim Kelly threw two picks that game. He was sacked two times, and then I looked at the running game. Rob Riddick, Jamie Mueller combined for 32 yards on 11 carries. And furthermore, and this concerns me, man, this, this might have a familiar tone here. That game cost the Bills home field in the playoffs because they finished 12-4, and four, Cincinnati finished 12-4 and four and ended up with the top seed. Had the Bills beaten the lowly Tampa Bay Bucks, they would have had the top seed. The Bills went on that year, and they lost at Cincinnati in the AFC title game 21-10. I think that was the Bruce Smith flu game, by the way. Um, anyway, those are the two losses, that I, only two losses that make sense that piss me off as much as Sunday. Bottom line is this. This loss, to me, as a fan, ranks easily in the top five of all-time Buffalo Bills, regular season anyway, frustrating losses only because, not because of the damage, the Bills might win out from here on out, but just the fact that they were this, they were significantly better than Jacksonville, and there's no excuse to loss or to lose, and they lost, and they did it, again, not in like freak play fashion, they just went out and got beat. Fucking frustrating. I don't know if I would put it in the top five. I mean, I have to wait till the end of the season because... Because what if the Jags, like, go on, like, a run and they're, like, 5 They're not. Hold on, though. Let me, get, let me finish my point. Like, they go 5-11 and, and the Bills go 10 in the 
I don't know, 11 and four, five, I'll, I'll even six, all these damn new games. I mean, it's up there. It's definitely up there. I will say this to add to, because I remember I, I was like a kid with the Tampa Bay game, but I, I, I've heard the, I've heard the, the legends of that game and how horrible it was. And it cost them home field advantage. I'll, I'll one up on you on those two. In, in 1992, the Bills lost to the Jets and the Colts in back-to-back games. And this is when the Colts and the Jets were horrible that year. And this is the, the, this is during the Bills' third Super Bowl run. And that and the, the Jets' one was the Dennis Bird game. And that's where the, the, it was after Dennis Bird got paralyzed, so they did it for him. And then the, the Colts' game, they lost in overtime. And because of those losses, it didn't matter in the end. The Bills, again, lost home field advantage because if they had won their last game against the Oilers in the regular season, they would have they would have won the division, ha- had home field advantage. But like it didn't have to come to that. If they won one of those two games, which were winnable games, both those teams were terrible. I think the Bills were favored by like at least two touchdowns in those games. Like no, no. And I remember being furious at that, but obviously it didn't matter in the end. But it was a frustrating game. I mean, it was. It's it's definitely. I don't know what's going to happen, Pat, at the end of the year. Like if it's going to be like. As you say, like we'll look back and go, oh, crap! They beat this game, they get the number one seed. You know, I, I don't think the seeds are as as important because you only get one buy. Only, only one team gets a buy, and I we've talked about this. Like, I, I don't think I don't think traveling to another city is as hard as it used to be because you know, back in the old day, you know, you didn't have you didn't have like radio communication to your helmet. They used to be like hand signals. You had to get the snap in, all that sort. Of, it's it's now like a modern NFL. But for for you, I, I care about the buy. That's what I've cared about. Like, that's what I care the most about rather than home field advantage. But um, well, then that's a significant loss, man. They, yeah. they, they still they're by no means are they done with having any opportunity to get the number one seed. I mean, they're one game back of Baltimore in ten, Well, technically two games back of Tennessee because they've already lost to Tennessee. So that's not over. But it's a costly loss, man. Let me ask you this. Next week, Bills Jets. I think we both think the Bills are going to win that. What's the score for you to feel good about them? Like to get you back on the bike? Like do they got to win by three touchdowns? Do you need a job? or is it like there's nothing? They could win by sixty, I, and I'm not going to care. They can win by a field goal, and I won't be angry as long as the offense plays well. I already know the defense is capable of shutting teams down. I don't care if they, if they give up 24 points, fine, but they better score 27. I don't want to win. If they win a 10-3 game, if they shut if they shut the Jets out 13-0, I'm going to be worried. I need to see the offense come out and put up points. Whatever the defense does, I won't be worried about. Here's the bottom, here's the bottom line about the AFC. Tennessee, you talked about. Baltimore, those are the two teams right now. They're the best two teams in the AFC right now. Now, that could change, and we've seen things come and go like crazy around the league this year. But right now, those are the two teams. I think the Bills are the third team in the AFC. And I'll tell you, you want everyone wants to count them out. I did at one point. It's premature to count Kansas City out. I'll tell you right now, they're five and four. They ain't dead. They're 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 gonna put, they can play some defense, even a little bit of defense. They're not out of it. Cleveland's five and four. I still think they got a good team. They might be better without Odell Beckham Jr. Now they might the chemistry might be better. Don't count them out. I've already talked about New England. If nothing else, they're in the mix. They're alive. The Chargers are five and three. The Raiders are five and three. Although I think the Raiders are frauds. Cincinnati's five and four. They're slipping, but they did beat Baltimore at, on the road a couple weeks ago. Even Indianapolis, who, by the way, the Bills playing two weeks, they're four and five. I'll tell you this: if the Bills play against Indy in Buffalo, like they did against Jacksonville, they're going to lose by seventeen points or more. 
Zimney's a pretty good football team. 17, my goodness. Or more. If they play like they did in Jacksonville, they'll I lose think, by, I think they'll Carson Wentz is scores. a fraud. But it, it, it's possible. Hey, they played the Titans very close, the Colts. I think, look, to wrap a bow on it, it's been a horrible – I think it's been a horrible week for, the, like, all the Buffalo teams. Like, the Bills lose – the Sabres trade Jack Eichel. Russ Brandon is back in, in, in like football somehow. It's it's just been a very it's been a horrible week. But in, to, in totality, um, I think it, the 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 era of like hey we're gonna win going away against bad teams is is, is over for now. It is. And Last it, year it was there, right, Joe? Last year you kind of. You woke up like when they were playing games. I don't remember like the, the San Fran, order. New England, Denver yeah, were, in Denver. You were like, we're gonna smack the shit out of somebody. Yeah, and we did. I don't feel hiatus. like that right now. Yeah, yeah, it's on hiatus for the time being. But I think more. But look, you just ran through the whole AFC, and they're all like all over the place. Where like they were, the, they were the next, they were the best thing since milk. And then the next week they were spoiled, and it was someone else. It's all about whoever gets hot in December. Just stack these wins up. Uh, hopefully, like if, if they lose next week or if they they, they play a close game, I'm I, I'm not going to be happy if they play a close game next week. And I'm just going to be like, okay, like now it's like you're getting into the teeth of the schedule after that. Like, like look, the Colts, I can make fun of Carson Wentz, but they are they are they are better. Like this was supposed to be their bye month or whatever, but the Colts are better. I, I think, think good. I think I think Atlanta is a lot better than people are giving them credit for. But again, I think I think it's head on a swivel now. For me, there is no like you said. There is no blowouts. Like I'm counting on blowouts. I think they gotta they gotta play well. But I, I have I have some confidence in them. I mean, because again, they they've been there for the last two years. They've been good. Um, but you know, they just gotta get, they just gotta get their they gotta get their offensive line in order. I hope they listen to us because we have some great tips, and I think they'll they'll be able to like just get digs the ball. You know. Figure out what's going to go. I, the one situation is very I, – I should, like, do – I wish I could do, like, an inside look and, like, where are they having more success? Like, are they having more success at running out – maybe they need to, like, run out of four wide receiver sets more and, like, spread the field more with the running game. You know what I mean? Or or maybe do so, do stuff to the outside. I feel like they – dude. I, I got to look into, like, stats. Like, are they running more between the tackles? Because they I feel like – running at all, dude. Josh I know, but I'm saying – I, I know it's Josh Allen, but I'm saying – they have to have a little bit more unique designs, you know, if they're going to run the football, like pitches to the outside. Because I think Singletary and Moss, they're, they're both fast guys. They should be able to break it to the outside a little bit more than going in, in, into the into the trenches. Because that's what I think they, they end up getting their asses handed to them. All right, here, here here's, the, here's the best the best case scenario besides Josh Allen playing a lead in the defense play good. That That's obvious. The best case realistic scenario that we could hope for Going through the rest of the season is that Spencer Brown returns. Darrell Williams slides back in. Spencer Brown plays really well. And Darrell Williams is better at guard than he is at tackle, which is impossible to be worse than he was against Jacksonville because he was absolutely putrid and horrific at right tackle. He was getting abused all day long. Realistically, you have to hope for that because, again, without the ability to make any trades, that's the best you can hope for. This offensive line has got to be better or we're going to be having a very frustrating off-season podcast one week into the playoffs because they're not beating anyone in the playoffs with this offensive line as it played in Jacksonville on Sunday. Are you going to have me on next week if they lose again to, to keep with your, your streak of like when they, they suck, you bring if me on? If they lose next week, I might take this mixer and smash it against the wall. If they lose to the Jacksonville and the Jets, 
do you think maybe then New England might be considered uh, having an opportunity to win the AFC East at that point? I would, I would say so. Yes, <laughs> I would. I, I mean, they gotta. Uh, uh, let's. I'd be remiss, Joe, real quick before I let you go here. We're gonna wrap up. I, I, let me get a Jack Eichel Sabres trade take from Ooh. you. By the way, as we're taping this late Monday night, the Sabres are losing uh, in Washington three to one. Oh, Cody good. Eakin scored, of course. And by the way, of course, Alex Ovechkin, who's still scoring, he's got eleven goals this year. Literally just scored as we're uh, that dude's like seventy years old, Ovechkin at this and, point. And he's uh, still an incredible player. But anyway, before I let you go, just a quick Jack Eichel take from you. God, I, I have a lot of convoluted feelings about Jack Eichel and, and leaving. I like, I feel like, and I've been trying to articulate it in tweets, so I'm going to try to articulate it to you. I feel something and nothing at the same time. Like, he never to me was on that like popularity with Ryan Miller, Vanek, Drury, Briere, guys who like won here, and that's. The reason why, it, and it's it part most of it's not his fault. Obviously, he played on some terrible teams. On the other hand, it kind of got annoying. I, I felt like I was listening to a lot of Eichel stands versus J- Allen stands. Like they're basically the same people. Where like you could never say anything negative about the other guy, and then you would get. And if you did, you got crushed. And when you heard negative stuff about those guys, you thought the negativity was like ridiculous. Like for instance. Like a, a week and a half ago, I saw like Kevin O'Neill, the Y guy. He's a loser. I'm sorry. He's never coming on this podcast while I'm all around. He like tweeted like something along the lines of like Stefan Diggs wouldn't change his new uniform, but Eichel did. And I was like, who cares? Like, go to hell. Like that sort of stuff like urgent, like annoys me, obviously. But like I, I, it was always like it never felt like authentic for me for Eichel. And maybe part of it was like even though I was for the tank, I was for it, but I, I didn't like the whole presentation of, like, it's going to change everything. They're going to win multiple cups, which some people on GR did say. They can gaslight it and say they didn't, but they did then. And I remember, because I have really good recall, it never was, like, this authentic thing. Now, on the other hand, they will miss him. I don't think he was a locker room cancer unless we get some sort of, like, 10,000-word John Vogel. Like, he talked to 50 players off the ice, and they're going to say he was terrible. Like, I don't, I don't feel he was a cancer in that way. It is going to hurt. We're not going to know at the end of the day if this, t- if this trade works out because they got prospects. They got some guy who loves Buffalo, and that's what they're, they're spinning it as, which is just complete one Buffalo bullshit. We all know they're going to say that. But uh, it's mixed feelings at the end of the day. It's a bad it's – a, it's, it's a black eye, I think, for the team, you know, because they, they couldn't make it work. I think going back to – and I know you told me to shorten this, but I'm not – I, to go back to when they they fired they fired Botterill and basically admitted they wanted to be cheap, that I think is what cemented Jack to go on and get the hell out of here. And I think he knew he saw the writing on the wall, and that was it. But he's a terrific player when he's healthy, and they will. It's gonna be. It's gonna. It's gonna sting. And I. I just. I'm at the point where I'm pretty sure I will mute Jack Eichel on Twitter because I know there's gonna be Eichel stands who are gonna follow him all over Vegas. And they're gonna retweet when he does well, and it's all gonna be like, oh, look at what we lost. And I'm, I'm gonna be like, I don't care enough about how bad the Sabers are to give a, an extra thought about this, you know. And I know it's a lot of convoluted. I, I have mixed feelings about it at the end of the day. Like it sucks on the ice. I feel bad for Sabers fans. I kind of think Eichel's a dick. Like he seems like a trumper, and he's a mega asshole. And you know me, I don't like those people. 
And I know you don't. I don't like those people, but like they will miss him as a player. I thought he was a great player. It just sucks that it didn't work at the end. And uh, I think we're in a lot of suffering with the Sabers. And I did not buy into that that hot start that everyone else freaking did. Okay, like I'm sorry. Like I don't know anything about Donnie Meatballs except I, I hate that fucking nickname. And like uh, you know, it, it was your typical like. Oh, like everything has been shit forever. So here's a, a a turd that's like not as shitty. We love him. They're beating crappy team. Dave, it's like I've seen this song and dance before. And now the Sabres are going to lose. Like as we're recording this, they're going to lose six straight games. And the only reason why I'm watching it is because it's on ESPN Plus and it's like seven bucks a month. And I'm like, oh, I'll watch it. What the hell? But like, it, it's going to be at least like another three, four years before they do anything. And it's, I'm sorry. Like, you know why I'm laughing? You why? Know why I'm, you know what? I'll tell you why I'm laughing at you right now. Why? Because for 59 and a half minutes or whatever, we got these uh, deliberate, measured Buffalo Bills takes. And then at the very end, as a throwaway question on this podcast, I ask you for a Jack Eichel trade take. And then you go on this fucking hot take fucking tirade. I think I was right about everything I, I said, a, though. A, I know. I'm just saying, though. You know what I'm saying? You're I, not- I mean, honestly, it's one of those things that has <laughs> been on my – it's been on my mind, like, for the last month or so to, like, talk about Eichel, and I couldn't really articulate it in, like, tweets, and I, I was deleting tweets because I really did find – like, I, I never could really understood why fans were sticking up for him after the fact, like, you know, when, like – they would boost some idiots who would say like, "Oh, like Eichel." Like, I I always hated the Allen Eichel comparison. Like, it was stupid. Like, you know, I, I hated that. But at the same time, it's like, why are you dying on the hill to stick up for Jack Eichel? He wants to leave. He's leaving. He's not a part. It's like, I, why am I put, why am I am I taking a, why am I taking a bullet for him in a way? I don't know if that makes any sense. I, I maybe it I'm does. a little bit. It's just like it's he's gone. Like, why are we? Why are you? You're you're standing for him. Like. I, but I, I get it, but I don't get it. I don't know. It's all uh, – hockey's a mess right now in Buffalo. It's a mess for me. No one cares. And that's another part of it. Like, I don't – he left, and I, I didn't I didn't have that connection. And maybe it's like the 41-year-old in me, like, talking. Like, maybe 25-year-old Joe would have been, like, crying. I don't know. But, like, it just it, – anytime I think of Jack Eichel, I just think of horror because it was just a horrible, horrible six years with him there. And it wasn't his fault. But it was horrible. It just—that's all it reminds me of—is like the horror. It's like it's like watching a terrible movie. And like, yeah, there's one guy who was pretty funny in there, but it was still a terrible movie. And I don't want to think about it anymore. And that's what it is. And it was just like it was just a, it was just a shit show. <laughs> well, there it is. I I asked Joe one Sabres question, and there was the seven minute rant that uh that we were waiting for. Good stuff, though. Even though, by the way. You what? What the hell are you watching? I can literally hear your TV as we're doing. Oh, my lady's my lady's watching Dancing with the Stars. Ah, uh, okay, that's. Exciting. I don't watch that show, so Fair. I had to leave the other. I had to leave my the craft room because my my computer was about to the cry. No, we're leaving. Don't <laughs> worry, you don't have to shut it off, dear. You uh, don't have to shut it off. Yeah, well, you I, don't have to shut it off. Everyone, give Joe a follow on Twitter. No, don't follow me because if, if you're not following me by, by now, you you probably don't like me. Uh, if you, if you, if you have me blocked, I appreciate that. Just let me know so I can block you back. And if I have you muted, I have decided for new year's, I'm going to unmute all 200 accounts that I have muted as my new year's resolution to give you guys one more chance. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. 
The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.